Welcome to the Good Life EDU podcast presented by the Nebraska ESU Coordinating Council. I'm your host, Andrew Easton. Thanks for joining us as we discuss the latest in digital learning across Nebraska and around the country. All right, I'd like to welcome everybody back for another episode of the Good Life EDU podcast. And today we're getting the opportunity to highlight what was a really special occasion that took place recently at ESU3 and really just for all of the education community here in Nebraska uh, as we welcomed the U.S. Secretary of Education, Dr. Miguel Cardona. And so this podcast is going to capture everything that went into that visit along with a number of our ESU representatives from across our state who were there in attendance and had the opportunity to learn from the secretary. And so the first person to introduce, as we have uh, with us six different guests today, is going to be Dr. Dan Schnoes, who is the CEO of ESU3. And it's really Dan's narrative to tell across this start to finish, uh, but really grateful that his advocacy allowed for this opportunity for us uh, to learn from the secretary and to connect around some really great work that's going on in our state. So Dan, welcome back to the pod. Hi, Andrew. Great to be here. Thanks for uh, being able to uh, talk about this unprecedented visit that we had from Secretary Cardona. Yeah, and you invited Dr. Joan Wade, who is the executive director of ASA, uh, to join us today, too. And so we'll say welcome to you, Joan. Good morning, Andrew. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm very excited to talk about the trip and what led up to the trip to have Secretary Cardona come to Nebraska. Yeah, well, and as Dan just mentioned, he he said it's unprecedented. And from your organization's affiliation with all of our service agencies nationally, this is unprecedented. It is indeed. And so AESA is the national association that the ESUs belong to. And we have members in 45 states across the country, much like the ESUs, but they all have a little bit of a difference between them. And we had an opportunity last fall to go to Secretary Cardona's office and pay a visit with him. And by we, I mean the executive council that serves AESA. And on that executive councils are representatives from 14 different states that are the executive director or the top leader in an ESA, Educational Service Agency, which is what we call them when we talk about ESUs from across the country. And last fall when we were there, they all had an opportunity to sit around the table with Secretary Cardona and share with him the good works that are happening in all of the ESAs across the country. And, you know, I always say leadership matters. And when leaders have an opportunity to tell the story of what's going on in their part of the country, there are some that are very articulate and they step up to the plate. And that was exactly what happened with Dan and ESU3. Dan Snows told the story of what's going on in his part of Nebraska and in, in Nebraska as a whole. And, you know, relationships matter. Dan didn't only talk about that at that table when we were in Secretary Cardona's meeting uh, room. He also continued to talk about that once he got back home, told his superintendents about it. He invited Secretary Cardona's staff to stay in tune with what was going on. And the more they learned, the more their curiosity was piqued, which is, I think, exactly what led to the first time ever visit of a sitting secretary of education into an ESA in one of our states in our country. So I'm very proud of the work that ESU3 and all the ESUs are doing in Nebraska and that Dan was the leader, the right leader at the right time to tell your story. 
Well, I know we're awful proud of Dan uh, and everyone else that has put in a lot of effort to make this occasion possible. And so, Dan, that, there were a lot of steps, I'm sure, getting ready for hosting a U.S. Secretary of Education. And so can you talk us through a little bit about that evolution from the call to action meeting that Joan referenced and the steps then that followed thereafter? You know, and I'd like to say thanks to Joan again for, you know, arranging that visit. We were thrilled to be able to do that out in Washington, D.C. and just had a great time out there. You know, the uh, the three topics that we threw out there from Nebraska that were important to us, uh, the first topic was a brand new idea that a number of our school districts in Nebraska just started with, and that's paying student teacher stipends and helping them, just treating it as an important internship. It's an important apprenticeship and putting more credibility to that field and thus in trying to encourage teachers to stay in the field. The second one, and that... And let me back up. That really resonated with Secretary Cardona. Um, and he pointed over to one of his aides at that time and said, we need more information on that. Uh, the second topic when it came around was the work that we're doing with school mental health. And we had just started implementing a fairly significant grant on school mental health with our rural districts in Nebraska. And then also ESU3, along with a number of my colleagues, we co-chair the school state mental health conference each summer uh, across the state. And so those two issues also caught some of their impressions that, oh, these guys are, are doing some pretty good work, you know, out in Nebraska. The third one, which we think is just as important, was cybersecurity. And I think maybe that will open up some doors down the road. It was interesting that through uh, Jones' contacts, that before I left Washington, D.C., on, on the day after the visit, I had a contact set up and a Zoom meeting set up with one of his staff members that following week when I got back into Nebraska. And for the next couple of months, we just continued to, to meet via Zoom several times a month until in November, we were able to host a Zoom meeting with six superintendents and three or four members of the U.S. Department of Ed and just talk about uh, student teacher pay. And we spent about an hour with a Q&A, and they really were thinking that we're going to move that forward and at some point in time, send a couple of their members out to interview some student teachers. Then uh, during one of the conversations, and, and this is what I thought was actually kind of fun, during a conversation just one-on-one -on -one with my main contact, and her name was Lauren Mendoza, uh, she said, you know, the Secretary Cardona's never visited Nebraska. Never had the chance. And I just said, you know what? I'm going to just offer you an invite anytime he would like to join and come to Nebraska and learn about what we're doing, whatever topics are resonating with him. We'd love to have him. And guess what? ESU3 would be glad to host. And I kind of said it a little bit for fun, a little bit for jest, because I didn't think it would really ever really happen. But who knows? unless you plant the seed and keep the network alive and, keep, and build the relationships. Come around December, we had a follow-up Zoom meeting with several contacts out at U.S. Department of Ed. And then we said, you know what, they're going to try to put some travel plans together to see if we can get a couple of staff members to come visit Nebraska. We tentatively set a couple of dates in late February. And they said, you know, we have to do all of our planning uh, look at how much this is going to cost, how we can pull this off, and we have to get all these approvals, and we'll we'll start working on all that, and we'll see what happens. And I thought, great. Our worst scenario is 
uh, we come out with a Zoom meeting and we continue talking about good things in Nebraska. And then for about a month, I didn't hear a whole lot. It got to be, oh, mid-January, and I sent just an email contact and say, just checking to see if you're hearing anything. We'd like to make plans if it's going to happen. Otherwise, I'm going to look at some dates in March or April and see if we can work this out, especially if we want to talk with student teachers or whatever you want. And then on about, oh, the 30th or 31st of January, and just, just a day or so before that, I got an email from my contact and said, you know, we'd like to do a planning visit for the visit coming up. And can you be on a call? I said, sure, we can jump in. That was a Monday morning. And I said, yep, I can be on the call. And uh, lo and behold, there was about six people on the call. They said, the wheels are turning. The wheels are turning faster. And what we'd like to do is talk about being in Nebraska on February 8th. And this is what Secretary Cardona would like to see in here while he's there. And I immediately started waving my hands in the air and said, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> when are we doing this? February 8th. Okay. And who's coming? Um, and they said Secretary Cardona and his entire entourage would be coming in, uh, which meant 10 days away. And oh, by the way, because of national security issues, uh, you can't tell anybody. So how do you make plans? How do you get things going? How do you set up everything for the visit? And during the planning visit, they said, you know, we'd like to visit a school in Nebraska, in the Omaha area, that's doing some great work with academies for kids. And then the second part of the visit, they would like to come to ESU3, talk with the people that are on the boots on the ground, working with school mental health in our rural schools in our new grant and find out. Uh, what's going on. And of course, I was thrilled to death, but now I, I, and I still can't tell anybody. So we had subsequent number of planning visits going up till about a week before the visit. And I said, you know, I got to let people know. I mean, like the governor, you know, certain people that might like to know that there's a fairly significant member of the president's cabinet going to come visit. And that was at the time they said, okay, you can start talking to some of your leadership team and start breaking that news. And so Craig Lofquist, who's on the call today, he was one of the first members that found out. I couldn't tell Michaela right away because I know she would just explode. And so I tried to hold off as long as I could before I would tell Michaela, who's on the podcast today, too, because I knew her her excitement would just bubble over. And then you're going to hear from Dr. Bloom today, too. He's also a member of our leadership team, but I really needed some help from all the behind the scenes work that this was going to take place. And so we were excited. We were thrilled. I was ready to, you know, run around here and throw my arms up in the air and say, yeah, 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 but I couldn't. So that's how it kind of led up to that. So I think this would be a good point to hand this off to a few others that were involved in the visit and see how this came about. Well, yeah, maybe I would go through in a similar order that you set up for us there, Dan, and, and throw things to Dr. Lofquist here next. And, you know, when Dan reached out, Craig, can't imagine your surprise. He asked to speak with me in private after a meeting, and we were in Scotts Bluff, Nebraska. And that's about 440 miles away from my house. And for 440 miles, it took me to process and understand what was about to happen. I was shocked. I I was bubbly. I was giddy like I knew Michaela would be. It was, it was a big deal. 
Well, and probably a very big deal to get ready for the visit and to work with the Secret Service. And I know that Dr. Bloom was a big part of those collaborative efforts. I personally received some of the email communication from him. Uh, as I know, there was probably a lot of coordination that had to go into that. So, Scott, um, would you want to speak to that a little bit? Sure. And, you know, uh, the behind the scenes is certainly fascinating, but I enjoy the strategic part of things we do and the systems part of what we do. And so I will tell you a couple of things I talked about that really was a part of the behind the scenes. And one of it is the importance of relationships with others. One of it's about lifting up others and making sure you're highlighting the good work that's going on around, around everyone. One's about good communication and then just having a high functioning system. And so the thing that we found, yes, there was a lot of work behind the scenes, but it was very clear we were going to maximize time. There's people that understand security that we didn't need to understand. We just need to follow through with. And so there's things we laid out internally and externally to make sure that happened from guest lists, vetting people, invites only, where people came in and so on, communicating, as you mentioned, Andrew, uh, to people around the building about what's going to happen, uh, but not doing it up until the day before it actually happened. So there's a lot of, lot of that going on. Uh, but I will tell you that we were so excited to have them, but they made us understand they were excited to be here, uh, which I think was also very important. It was a welcoming group of people. So uh, I know the secretary's uh, director, Jordan, she was wonderful to work with, did a lot of planning behind the scenes with, the Secret Service were great. But I'd say that would be the, the highlight is that U.S. Department of Education did here in the planning with us all the way through the end of it, doing what they said they want to do. Listen uplift others, communicate, and help us build relationships and move forward so we can all do something better for the adults that serve the kids all around us. Oh, absolutely love that. And I love advocating for that message here on the podcast. And that's uh, in a small part what we try to do every week as we share out conversations from within our state. And so, Michaela, are you ready to talk about this now? I'm, I'm, I'm seeing big <laughs> smiles this whole time that we've been recording as we've been waiting to kind of hear from you and your excitement. And you had the opportunity to be part of the panel actually that sat down with Secretary Cardona. Yeah, I am so honored that I had a chance to be a part of that. And you're right. I'm still on cloud nine. I still am a little bit in disbelief that the U.S. Secretary of Education was here at ESU3. And so a big shout out, uh, as we've talked about, to my boss, who is very connected. And and I love what others have said. Just, you know, continue to communicate and advocate and be in the right place at the right time to get that message out. Because I'll tell you, Andrew, he probably could have visited any ESU in this state of Nebraska, because this kind of work, the work that ESUs are doing to support school mental health in particular in this instance, it's just highlighting what ESUs across Nebraska are doing every single day. And so I was really honored to be a part of that. And the catalyst for that was an opportunity we received a few years ago in partnership with SAMHSA, this, this really kind of massive school mental health grant that we're a part of. And so just to have an opportunity to be on that panel, have our team along for the ride, I, I really need to thank Jen Pollock. She's our school mental health coordinator, and she's been doing the heavy lifting as it uh, comes to this grant. We had a team of therapists there on the panel as well. We had a Fleck, 
Jake Cunningham, we had Sarah Eats Hamilton, and we had Ashley Huey, who are all actively serving our rural schools here in the ESU3 area in the school mental health realm. And then we recruited a couple of our colleagues from the schools we're serving. So we had the superintendent of Louisville Public Schools, Andy Farber, as well as Megan Harding, who is a principal in Blair. So we had a dynamite team up there, including Dr. Schnoss. Uh, Dr. Schnoss made sure that I got to sit right next to Secretary Carter. Cardona, but I was aware that Secret Service was in the room. So I tried to keep it, you know, my best behavior. But I was, I was so excited to be able to share the message. I would echo what Scott said. He really, truly wanted to listen to what was happening in Nebraska. And I think when we had uh, had some conversations about preparing for what that roundtable might feel and sound like, you know, I thought he wanted to hear student success stories. He absolutely did. But here's the part that was a little bit surprising. I mean, he is an educator at heart. He knew about the actual nitty gritty work that needs to happen to move all of the school mental health initiatives forward. And, and that was, I mean, not that I should be surprised by that, but he was so articulate and well-versed on the actual work that is needed to make this move forward. He he said a couple of dynamite things that I've, of course, been uh, repeating every chance I get the last few days. He talked about systems, not superheroes. And so that's key in our mental health grant work. We actually are really trying hard and uh, using the grant funds that we have to support the development of the infrastructure. It's not easy to go out and provide mental health services in schools, but it's even harder to build out the infrastructure with those teams and those schools. And so it was just a dynamite to have him talk about that and want to hear about the systems level work. It was just such an honor. And our team got a chance to tell about the grant goals that we've been engaged in. You know, we shared information about the prevention efforts. We have trained over 1,200 people in school mental health topics in just over a year's time. And that's with our eight rural school districts that are involved in the grant and beyond. So we've, we've had an opportunity to really engage all of our 18 schools and our ESU partners in some of that prevention and just awareness of school mental health so that we can reduce stigma around mental health. So we got to talk about that. We talked about uh, the early intervention and screening that we're doing out in schools. He was really interested in that piece. And then we talked a little bit about something unique uh, with our grant, which is a parent peer mentoring. And I just will never forget that moment. He said, what's something interesting and unique that you're doing with your work? I shared information about the parent peer mentoring and he, he raised his hand. He said, Hey, I want you to email my staff. I want to write this down. I want to learn more about that parent peer mentoring. And, and that is, it's kind of a special component to engage families. So he just was so down to earth and so just really in tune with what it takes to provide direct services to, to schools and districts at that ESU level. So I honestly, I'm so excited. I was quoted in the paper as saying I'm over the moon. And it was, it was surreal. I mean, that gentleman was, you know, a part of the State of the Union address just the night before. And then to be in Nebraska the very next day, listening to what we have going on. Yeah, it was, it was dynamite. Wow. And I would echo one of the first things you said, too, is that it is so impressive to me all the time as I get to work with more and more people across our ESU network statewide, just the incredible efforts, initiatives, and people, especially that 
that we have serving all across our state. And love that we got the opportunity to highlight the amazing things that are going on with the grant work that you're tied to, Michaela. And so thanks for giving shout outs to all those folks also. I would take this opportunity to say that this podcast is to capture the story and to point you to some of the conversations that took place. If you would like a deeper dive into some of the things that have been referenced, like Dan mentioned earlier about the teacher stipends, we're going to have an upcoming podcast on that, along with more details about the mental health grant uh, that we've referenced here today. And so we certainly don't want to take away from those efforts, but this conversation is really just to capture uh, the excitement around the visit and provide a few touch points to the key topics that were discussed during that time. So uh, we have several other people on the call here today who are in the room. And so we'd love to get some perspectives, some takeaways from those individuals. And so uh, I think I'll throw it next to John Scretta, who is the administrator at ESU6. John, what was your experience from being in the room and getting a chance to observe the panel and be a part of that special event? Yeah, so it was it was amazing. And I would just reinforce and echo everything that's been previously stated. Michaela and Scott and Dan, my gratitude to you on behalf of ESU6 and my other ESU colleagues from across the state who were able to attend I was part of an audience, uh, an invited audience of about 50 or so who were able to be in the room and to observe and listen and lean in and just be a part of that experience. And I can tell you, even being several rows back and having a partially obstructed view due to all the TV cameras and media in the room, it did nothing to dampen the, the sense of excitement and the incredible, impactful moment that we experienced there with Secretary Cardonia being in the room. What a great guy to have in the room, as described, uh, relatable, charismatic, compassionate, knowledgeable, on point in comments about key education policy issues, and uh, both supportive in terms of listening and wanting to hear about the best practices that ESU3 exemplifies and that we all strive to institute in support of our schools across the state, and also appropriately challenging, saying, hey, how are we going to carry this mantle forward in the post-pandemic world to continue to support our schools? And being in that room, and uh, Dr. Schnoes knows this based upon kind of helping to constitute the guest list. That room was a veritable who's who of educational leaders in Nebraska. Uh, myself and Dr. Lofquist, our ESUCC executive director, just privileged to be a part of it. We had state board members like Lisa Fricke and Jacqueline Morrison and Deb Neary from the Omaha area. And they were there, and it was a wonderful opportunity to have informal interactions with them and to gather their initial impressions about the secretary's comments and the implications for departmental state-level partnerships with our ESUs. Dr. Deborah Friesen, Dr. Friesen is our essentially our acting commissioner. She's a deputy commissioner with the Department of Ed. Wonderful interactions with her and just a, a very incredible kind of constellation of educational leaders in the room, including a number of area superintendents and uh, wonderful impressions derived by all from those interactions. So that's what I'd share. 
Yeah, and to follow up, I'll just use your word, impressions. Scott, uh, what were some of your key takeaways from finally getting the opportunity to probably take a deep breath <laughs> and sit and enjoy the visit after all that work that you put in on the front end? Yeah, it was uh, the, the, the word that keeps coming into my mind is interconnectedness. And so I think, one, to actually see the interconnectedness of local, regional, state, national legislation America Recovery Act bipartisan bills that actually have an impact on how we fund things and how we look to interact with each other to fund. I think that was a, a, a big level piece for me. And I think of this call today, the podcast today, the interconnectedness. We have AESA, ESUCC, ESU representation, student services, professional learning. It's all about, again, nothing happens without that interconnectedness. And so I think that was really the, the highlight to me. That panel was embedded school mental health therapists that partner with teachers, staff, parents, principals, superintendents, parents, and kids, interconnectedness. And so there's power in that interconnectedness. And so going back to, I think, Secretary Cardona's point about he wants to rise things up, um, but he also wants to be pragmatic. He wants things that can we can do that make a difference. And that's what he's listening for and looking for is if we're going to do things that we all understand, and he's made the statement, there has never been a better local, state, national understanding of school mental health needs right now. So we're on the same page with that. So let's do something differently. And so let's highlight those things we're doing. And I think what Michaela shared, those parent mentors, uh, parent training, there's there's so much behind that because to be a parent mentor, you get training from school mental health professionals. Uh, teachers ask questions to school mental health professionals. So, so I think that's my biggest response is the interconnectedness of everything that we do really is about bringing all of us together to serve each other and to ultimately make sure that we're serving the kids and the families that we need to. And then lastly, I would just add, we work with districts a lot around their strategic plans and what their goals are. And the themes that come out to us are human capital, valuing human capital. Uh, Secretary Cardona talked multiple times about we need to be respectful of teachers, understand that that profession is valuable and give them support that they need every day because they can't do everything, which the school mental health grant is showing. We work collaboratively with others. Another one is just the idea that student outcomes are important and those student outcomes aren't just academic. So on one hand, Dr. Cardona was saying, we want to lead the world in academics and we know to do so, we need to lead the world in school mental health, behavioral health, all of those things that we find important. And again, it doesn't get done unless it's that interconnectedness about what we all do. Well, building off of that, let's bring Michaela back in because I'm sure that that just had to speak to your heart for the work, Michaela. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it was such a tribute that he understood that if we value it, we have to make time for it. And I had friends in the gallery taking notes because he said such smart things around that issue, including the workforce shortage that we're facing in the world of education. And um, on the same side of that coin, mental health is also facing that same workforce development issue. There's a shortage on both 
in both of those fields. And so for him to really understand that he had a, a catchy acronym that I have, again, been repeating every chance I've had, um, he talked about going back to the ABCs. And so he talked about A being agency. So having this desire and this ability to kind of come together and know that we need to, as a field of educators, really work towards our common goal of increasing student learning. And we've got a We've got a Maslow before we bloom. So, I mean, he really gets that. The B was better working conditions. So when we talk about making time for the things we value, we have to create some better working conditions for teachers. And he seemed very in tune with that idea as well. And then C, just the issue of compensation. These things are, of course, pointing across the nation, but specifically here in Nebraska, we have a lot of hot topics in those exact same areas that we're navigating in our state legislature right now. So it was, again, so impressive to have him have that perspective from a national level, but really kind of get granular with us about what that looks like and, and listen to what we are doing on those areas here in Nebraska. Well, to kind of build upon that then, Dr. Lofquist, uh, what were some of your takeaways from having had the opportunity to listen and learn that day? Well, I think a pretty good picture has been painted so far. Dr. Scretta said uh, we were sitting in the back. There were lots of cameras. And rather than everybody being nervous, the first thing he said is, let's have a conversation. Let's forget that the cameras are here. So he had this. You could tell this wasn't his first rodeo. So he was able to calm everybody that was in front of the cameras. The thing that really sticks out to me that he said was, this is a down payment. You have received some money and Nebraska has taken that money and we've used it at each one of our ESUs to provide mental health supports. And he said, this is a very unique time. And he, I think he understands it's not coming back to rethink our schools. And he did provide an example of a school in Michigan that builds in mental health and wellness right into their school day. And that was pretty impressive that he knew that. He knew things from a 5,000 foot level and he knew the intimate details of what goes on as others have, have alluded to during this conversation. So we are in a very unique period. There is a bill in the Nebraska state legislature that would help continue mental health in public schools. It's LB 527. Um, we're looking forward to have it, continuing to have these conversations. I think what Michaela alluded to earlier, when they work with schools and their strategic plans, there's a huge opportunity here to work this in. Um, ultimately, to have better working conditions for teachers, that they are able to do their best and feel supported, but also our students. So that's what I got out of it. It was an incredible day. I can't wait until um, Joan and I, we meet every third Thursday of the month uh, with other AESA executive directors. And um, I can't wait to share this information. So can you put that on the agenda, please, Dr. Wade? It is done. <laughs> it will be on the agenda. Thanks. Well, terrific. There's, there's one call to action. Uh, and we typically end <laughs> with uh, a few of those uh, as well. And so I'm, I might throw it over to John Scretta one more time here before we bring things to a close. Something that we sort of talked about ahead of hitting record today was the idea of just bringing up again, uh, and I think Craig alluded to it just a moment ago, uh, some of the things that are going on here within our state where people could get involved in trying to support certain pieces of legislation that could support this work. Yeah, thank you, Andrew. 
One of the comments that was made on the panel was from Superintendent Farber, who referenced that were it not for the ESSER dollars and the additional federal funds that were COVID relief monies directed to schools, that basically putting these resources and supports for mental health in schools would not have been possible. And uh, Secretary Cardonia referenced the challenges of sustainability a number of times in his comments. And so one of the things that we want to be sure to call everyone's attention to from the Educational Service Unit advocacy side are the opportunities that are right in front of us in the current legislative session, previously referenced by Dr. Laborde and by Dr. Lofquist, including Senator Dorn has a proposal LB48, which would be restorative and provide an additional $3 million in core services funding for educational service units. Dr. Lofquist referenced Senator Fredrickson's very important LB527 that specifically denotes the role of ESUs and would provide an additional $12 million annual appropriation for reimbursable mental health services in schools. And then there are numerous bills, in fact, three of them that I'm aware of off the top of my head that would help to support increased reimbursements for special education expenditures, which would obviously help with sustainability and help both schools and ESUs continue to provide the requested support. So just wanted to mention those things as uh, things pending in our unicameral session right now that we want to pay attention to and, and get involved in supporting. If I could just add to that, uh, you said that so well, John, and I just want your listeners to understand the importance of your voice. Your voice matters so much in your state legislature and in the federal legislature. You have stories in your schools and your ESUs of positive things happening for kids every single day. And we don't tell those stories enough. So please take the opportunity, be bold. Secretary Cortona tells us, be bold leaders. We need you to be bold and to tell those stories. So if I was gonna ask you to do one thing following this podcast, tell your story. And if I can just uh, jump in with uh, what Dr. Wade just said. Interesting enough, sometimes coincidences happen, but part of a group I was working with required or asked if we would take the talent 12 leadership skills review and survey and it just so happened you know i had enough going on with the visit it just so happened that on the tuesday when the story broke and the press release went out and we could tell everybody that he's going to be here the very next day i received my list of of 12 skills and the number one was courage which I never thought of that for myself to be one of my one of my top 12 skills. But when you look back at the networking, the relationships, and the opportunities that was provided, if you're put in a position as a educational leader to be able to tell your story, like Joan said, it takes courage from all of us to be able to do that and fight for if we're really truly going to change the things that are happening in education. It's going to take courage to do that. And we need that from everybody. We need that from all the leaders. We need that from teachers. We need that from kids and families, uh, everybody on this call. But continue to have the courage to reach out. And when it's your opportunity to speak, take a shot at it. Do what you can do. Well, and that is 
been very much captured here uh, by our six amazing guests who have shared uh, a little bit of their story uh, and the lens through which they were able to process the visit given their respective work. And as Scott alluded to earlier, just that communication and those ties that have their fingers in our collective work uh, in places that we might not even be able to see yet. That's something that Dan and I talked about in just thinking about this podcast is I love the quote that uh, we should be about the business of planting trees under which whose shade you do not intend to sit. And so always just being actively taking advantage of the next opportunity without necessarily needing to know where it's going to go. Because sometimes that tree does sprout a little closer to home <laughs> and you get a chance to host uh, U.S. Secretary of Education. So thank you all, and especially Dan, for all of your work uh, in facilitating getting this put together. And if, again, people are interested in hearing more uh, about some of the things we talked about today, just stay tuned uh, to future episodes of the pod as we're going to do deep dives on different topics uh, in the shows to come. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks for having us all. 